Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have a fantastic conversation for all of you listeners today as I am joined by Global Performance Group founder and ATP physiotherapist, Dr. Leland Snyder, to discuss all aspects of his job. What is the role of a physiotherapist? How do they go about ensuring a peak performance from each and every athlete they work with? That is the question we explore on today's show. We break that down, discuss the many different aspects of recovery for these athletes, how they go about ensuring they are in optimal condition each time they step on the court. It's a fantastic show that I am certain all of you listeners will enjoy. Of course, if you're looking for other updates on things happening in the tennis world, check out the Mini Break podcast, check out the Great Shot podcast, check out our website, crackrackets.com. But what do you want to learn today? You want to learn about this conversation. So let's get to it. Here's my chat with the one and only Dr. Leland Snyder. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Joining us on the podcast for the first time today is a man who is the founder of the Global Performance Group and a private physiotherapist for multiple players on the ATP Tour. Let's welcome onto our show, Dr. Leland Snyder. Leland, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's an honor. Crack Rackets is uh, legendary out there. I think we all stay tuned to what's going on. So it's pretty cool. And I appreciate you guys having me on. No, oh, I appreciate you buttering me up early. That's I'm going to throw out all the hard questions now. We'll stick yeah, to just yeah, right. the easy stuff. But no, I mean, again, I think for people listening to this podcast, the role of a physiotherapist, they're aware of the concept of what you do, but they're not into you know what is the nitty gritty day in, day out preparation look like for these athletes. And I want to get into that. But first, I got to ask, how does someone find themselves? in your position? How do you get involved not only with physiotherapy, but the sport of tennis in particular? Yeah, you know, I probably came in much later than <clears throat> a lot of my physio counterparts. I, I did not grow up in tennis. Uh, I grew up as a young baseball player, pursuing professional baseball myself. Uh, as I stopped playing, I sort of transitioned into my first role was as a performance coach in the in the Yankees system under the Yankees strength coach. And then I proceeded to work in baseball, uh, similar uh, on the private side for some players, uh, for some companies, but helping guys stay healthy and strong, truly as a performance coach. Uh, went back to school just for some more tools. I, I enjoyed helping injured players rehabilitate. I enjoyed sort of looking under the hood and being able to help some of your trickier problems and wanted some tools to, to legally do that. So I wasn't <laughs> doing anything weird and went back and got my degree in chiropractic. Uh, and really there, I think it's it's like any 
or like a lot of things. Uh, it just by circumstance, uh, one of the professors at my college or at my uh, in my doctorate was a man by the name of Dr. Mark Kovacs, who around the game sure. of tennis is is pretty well known on the performance side. And just by meeting him and because of what I had done in baseball and a little bit of a crossover, shoulders, hips, rotation, uh, he let me know these jobs would be out there. And and for me, that was something really interesting. Uh, so I sort of leaned into that, tried to learn under him. And uh, school for me was in Atlanta. So there was a lot of great minds around tennis performance with Dr. Kovacs, Dr. Niru Jayanthi, just a few guys who are really tennis centric. Uh, let me know these jobs would be available. And and from there, I just tried to be valuable. Yeah, no, it's fascinating to learn because tennis as a sport, I think there's a reputation surrounding it. It lags a bit behind in terms of elite performance, addressing that, bringing in analytics, bringing in specific yeah. training. Again, all things I want to discuss. The one notable name in that lane of progress is Mark Kovacs. And so obviously to hear yeah. that, I, I imagine that's a massive influence. I mean, he was, I, I give him the uh, utmost credit. He's still a guy who I turned to. Mm-hmm. And I, I distinctly remember being overseas somewhere and having specific questions. And Dr. Kovacs for sure is one of the first guys I reach out to, but just exposing me, I, I guess, I, again, I come into it a little different and even my experiences in it. Um, I'm a little bit of an outsider who, was lucky enough to be thrown into the fire as my first job after graduating um, in professional tennis. So I, I learn and I bring whatever skills and experiences I bring, but I owe it to my players who some have become some of my best friends, but you know, uh, admittedly learning on the job. So thankful <laughs> for my first client as uh, my last client got a better version of me as they always do. But uh, I for sure, was just thrown into the fire of the tour and it was the best learning experience I could have ever asked for. You have worked with athletes across different sports and look, no, while athletics are treated in one category, no one sport require or every sport requires different movements is perhaps yeah. the best way of addressing that. I'm just curious more broadly, when you address the athletics required in tennis, what did you see in those first experiences? Were you surprised? Because there's a physical, you know, again, roll Carlos Alcaraz out there in any sport, he'll figure it out. Give him a month and he'll be proficient in my opinion. I'm curious if you were surprised by the degree of athleticism and what your reactions were. I think I was surprised in in the physicality. I didn't know uh, a great deal about tennis, but gained and still, I mean, I could speak about it in a number of different ways throughout this, but the ultimate respect I have for the grind of a tennis match, for the grind of the tour, for the physicality involved, and probably the uh, the wide range of skills that you need. Like I come from pro baseball and, you know, they, they the training of them, the athletic athleticism displayed it it's pretty, it stays in one lane of like really powerful rotation, um, producing high velocities, being able to do that repeatedly. You know, it, it the, the cardiovascular uh, uh, stressors in baseball are, are much different yet. Um, yet tennis are still rotating and you're now having to just display maybe the widest variety of skills and movements of any sport. So for a guy like me who, 
is a movement nerd, a sports medicine nerd, and a performance nerd. It it keeps you on your toes. I mean, I compare, or I should say, as I was learning, tennis offers almost in the lower body sense, like a little basketball in there, just from the, the constant cutting, stopping, change of direction. So on the injury side, we're dealing with feet, ankles, hips. Um, but then you throw in this rotation while moving. Um, so now you throw in a little bit of baseball, golf, and now you add a serve to it. So you throw a little overhead. So for me, I had to look through a, a bunch of different sports as I was really just trying to see how they prepared their athletes. And I took a little bit from everybody to try to learn this thing uh, while on the road. Um, so I have the utmost respect and that's probably why I still enjoy it to this day. While I play with some other sports now, um, I'll always have the utmost respect for my tennis players who are on the roster as just a tough life, tough game. No, it's, you mentioned it. You need the strength, you need the speed, you need yeah. the fluidity, you need the touch. It's all these different aspects which are so fascinating to get into. And you have to and train them all differently. Them, yeah. Once you have them, the schedule. I mean, let's be real. The yeah, schedule sure. is a, the longest schedule. It's international. So you're now dealing with guys who are elite uh, at what they do, say they get to that elite point. But now you have to manage 10 months a year where you're traveling every single week if not every two weeks, depending on where you're at. It's it's a, it's a tough job, but it becomes really interesting. And, and tennis is its own little bubble and maybe doesn't get enough love, but it is quite a grind for player and staff. Yeah, it's one thing, again, if you're a major sport athlete, especially here in the States, but in Europe as well, you have a training facility that your team returns to every week. That's not the case yeah. in tennis. You're in the Cincinnati facility one week, then you're in Toronto. Now you're in New York and, you know, in between it all, it's different hotel beds, it's different showers, it's different meals. I can't imagine recovery is easy. That That's probably step number one to address, right, is find the schedule. That That's a huge piece of the job. You know, as I come this past year, uh, I dabbled doing similar type work and say your MBAs and your NFLs and such. So I've dabbled a little bit, but really you just try to bring the traits that tennis makes you good at the ability to manage, manage a travel schedule, the ability to, um, you know, to manage the variables of the road, manage recovery, manning training, you know, manage just this other human being through the grind of, of a professional season. Uh, it's so much easier in other sports where in tennis, yeah, on the different bedside to the different training facility to, you know, when you're grinding through the Challenger Tour, you're in Timbuktu and you have a, a room and like you have to prepare for a week to try to win a title. It's uh, for, for physio and such, it, it involves a lot of thought and creativity. And for player, it it's a day in and day out grind that you got to be, you got to be about, or it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. No, I've seen players in hotel rooms saying, okay, 15 pound dumbbells is all they have. That's what I'm working with this weekend. You know, yeah. that's why I, I'm so happy to have you on today because the term recovery and the things you focus on, again, it encompasses so much. And I know this is a heavy question to unpack, but the floor is yours to do so. Sure. What are the aspects of recovery? When you come in, what are you hoping to convey? What are you and a player hoping to accomplish? Yeah, strictly on the recovery side, it's it's a, it's a lifestyle, I think, at first, right, where we have to start with 
And this might be the toughest, and I'll go into all the, the sports techie. Phys- I could go into all of that, but I, I think step number one, and especially on the road with changing time zones, with stressors, all the different factors, uh, is sleep. Like if we can get guys to sleep a little bit better, guys and girls, um, and that might be the one thing I've seen the most with players, is it's just you're, you're dealing with a lot of travel, you're dealing with wacky schedules, uh, you're dealing with just life on the road truly in tennis, more like any other sport. The ability to find some regularity and find some sort of a routine around sleep is is maybe the first one. Uh, and even the lifestyle things, like are you simply, are you eating well enough? Are we hydrating well enough in, ten- in sports like tennis? It's enormous. So almost ha- uh, trying to grab those low-hanging fruits on just is your lifestyle conducive to the to the stressors of the game that we're trying to account for is step one. Uh, you know, as a, as a doc, like I... I use my hands a great deal and just making sure that we're doing all of those physio things around training, around practices. Step might, step one might just be making sure the player sees the physio, whether it's myself or on the road, like get to the physio and get your work in. Even if you don't want to find something that doesn't feel good, get work on something. Um, so you're doing those daily 1% things that are helpful. Um as a physio, yeah, I think we're doing a lot of physio things, whether it be mobilization, all the levels of all the all the tools you could throw at an athlete from my hands to dry needles to using my brain to to cups to your ten to eighty thousand dollar machines. I mean, they all really play and in the ability to manage, I keep saying stress, but like to manage all of that in terms of volume on court, in terms of training schedules, like it's truly a, a it's truly a lifestyle management. I was speaking to a coach yesterday. Uh, you know, it's a really fun job for these players, but it's a nine to five job. I mean, they're on court a lot. And if you're on court a lot, you have to do all the other things to make sure you can recover from being on court a lot. And so you can play as long as some of the guys we've seen, but it's that Tom Brady, Federer, and Nadal thing to play till you're 40 in a sport that used to, from what I understand about tennis history, um, have a lot shorter career because of that grind. It's it's uh, it keeps guys like me employed, uh, and it's it's a full time job. Yeah, no, I mean, again, you see that now with players and how carefully they treat their diets, how carefully they treat all aspects of their careers. I'm curious not to criticize our listeners or myself who are we're high performance athletes in our own way, but more casual players and people yeah. maybe you're a little younger and you're just getting into it, but you're starting to develop these habits. This is a really silly thing. Maybe I'm just asking for myself. Please. Two things I started doing in the past I would say two years that I used to never do when I was younger and things just worked a little bit better. Warming up on the bike beforehand. And then even more importantly, and this is something I only started doing in the last six months, the cool down where afterwards I'll hop on the bike a little bit. Can you – well, the warm-up part I think is a little self-explanatory. You should never walk on a court cold and when you're You'd be surprised how many guys do it on tour. You'd be surprised in a lot of sports how many guys see – 
uh, very valuable people who who don't warm. Not that you need some extensive, expansive warm up. Everyone's looks different, but you got to do a little something. A hundred percent for me. If yeah. I always, if it's, if I don't do thirty minutes on the bike beforehand, now I'll just be mad at myself because I'll be like, dude, your feet aren't working, and you know why. <laughs> yeah, um, you know the warm up side, and that's the lifestyle stuff, right? Like even recovery aside, but we talk about the lifestyle with player, with yourself, with myself. There are just these certain things that. If we're doing ath- uh, athletic endeavors, we probably should do in a little bit of a warm up where you get your body temperature up, you start to move in some ways that that uh, are going to allow you to at least be prepared to do the things you want to do on court. I think that's huge. And then on the back end, that little bit of a cool down starts the recovery process. So, so can you explain that cool down to me? Why does that work? Well, I think a cool down with any of this, right? So with with you're preparing for training or you're preparing for a match on court, There's that's an episode in that day that's a little different than just hanging out and watching some TV. So on the pro side, yeah, we're really trying to get their system and body ready to compete at the highest of levels. And that's from brain to, to muscle to body. Like we're trying to prepare a system uh, on a lower level. So it's a, it's a preparation for for this high level. Um, so part of our, our our daily is getting that. And then once we've done that high level, it's how quickly can we get us into this recovery state to prepare for what our body seems to be um, for whatever that next bout may be. So we're always thinking about system. And, and you know, if you turn the, I don't know, maybe this is an off the cuff here analogy, so bear with me, but if you're preparing to cook something, you need to heat up the grill and prepare the meal. And on the back end, you need to clean it to prepare for the next round. Uh, whatever level we're trying to play, I think we have to prepare accordingly just to make sure that our body is ready to do whatever it is. Um, and then on the back end, we want to prepare the body to come down and be able to respond to that stressor and, uh, and do the thing it needs to do the things it needs to do to be ready for whatever that next bout may be on tour. It's it's every day uh, off tour. It's sometimes every day. I mean, tennis, adult tennis players, tennis players in general, are a little wacky. Uh, yeah. uh, you guys play a lot of tennis. Well, we're um, weird. It, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. That's, that's one it. of our, yeah, that's one of our strengths. And yeah, no, it's so funny. You mentioned all of those things because I have noticed like, do I get sore after hitting now? Inevitably, yes, because I do things that I shouldn't try to do anymore. Whatever. Uh, you know you're older now when – and I was going to visit my parents, and because I was home, I was going to hit with yeah, some yeah. buddies who still live in the area. And when you go to leave the hit, they go, yeah, don't get hurt. And I was like, what do you mean don't get hurt? I was like – Those, yeah, are, those yeah. are some of the worst times when you cramp up. I mean, we have it on tour. You go sit in your car, you try to get up, and your hip is a little sticky, oh. and it's – so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little older than I used yeah, to. Yeah, no, I was like, Mom, you used to tell me go win. I was like, don't get hurt. I was like, I'm a, am I a loser now? It's like, Mom, yeah. I we had a long speech of like, no, I'm a winner. Um, it was a long argument in the Gruskin household. Um, it's okay. We, yeah. we, we're on this podcast for a reason. We're not yeah. on, we're not on court right now in China for a reason. <laughs> Those who can't do talk about doing. That's what I always say. Yeah. Um, no, and it, the reason I bring all that up is I noticed post hit if I bike. My body won't get sore from the hit. It's like, okay, now you're in the biking mode. So this is what we're recovering yeah. from. And so the way you framed it, I think, made a lot of sense. 
Like I just set up here in Atlanta and Atlanta has an enormous uh, uh, adult or just general, like Tennessee, you have Alta, you have some of the juniors. Um, and for them, it's for the juniors, it's, yeah, if you're pursuing a, a career in college tennis or on tour, maybe our conversations are different, but our conversations match. Our warmups have to look a certain way, our training, our lifestyle does. And even for those, my weekend golfers, my weekend tennis, your pickleball, which is a new world that I'm into. Like if you want to play and you want to play that much, I, I think your lifestyle has to match that. So you have to, if it's getting some treatment, if it's doing a little bit of training, if it's doing some cool down, like you have to find a, find that the, the, the compilation of things to, to make sure that you, stay prepared and resilient enough to play as much tennis or pickleball you want to do. And, and when we don't, or if our lifestyle doesn't match our requirements on court, you get this little nagging thing. You hurt a little bit or like that's unfortunately the body's as simple as like, are we resilient enough to do the things we're trying to do? If not, that's when we get hurt. And that remains true on tour and tennis in the NBA or at the country club on Sunday. It's uh, if you try to do something you're not ready to do, you're going to unfortunately probably get hurt. Yeah. No, well in that spirit, I'm curious because I'm someone who, I mean, again, not to try and equate myself to these pro athletes, but I'm sure there are (laughs) listeners who are like this as well, who don't like taking days off, who are just like, I need to do a little something every day. And I'm sure there's something to that, but are you like with these high level athletes, do you have to tell them sometimes, Hey, you need a day off. Like you just need to wind for back sure. and do nothing. Is that, is that a real thing? Yeah, for sure. I think on the pro side, when you're really, yeah. when you're really managing stressors and I'm sure other performance coaches can argue, but I definitely try to try to keep in mind, you know, the day in and day out stress. So if I go five days in a row, <clears throat> of a high level stressor, like I, that athlete better be prepared or that just, that's not something I would usually do. So if we know that matches start on, I don't know, let me try to get back in my brain. Yeah, matches Monday, start on sure. a Monday, yeah. right? Qualies over the weekend, say a player's in the main draw, matches start on a Monday. You know, my trading schedule the week or weeks before, depending on where we're coming from or whatever, is either trying to gradually progress towards what I assume is going to be a really high stressor adrenaline system, all of that. Like I'm always trying to play this high low game of not too many days up high, but not too many days absolutely off either. So maybe it's low volume. So we're always sort of playing with volumes and playing with this day in and day out micro cycle of sorts with matches and performance in mind. Once you get in the middle of the week, it's you're gonna be tired, you're gonna be beat up, you get to championship, you get to finals on a Sunday. It's it's a long week of tennis. So you're really trying to get them up for a match and they're trying to get them down as quickly as possible, managing the days in between appropriately. But uh I'm not a huge component of maybe one day a week where we do try to get them off court totally. A lot of times that becomes a travel day and there's some recovery benefits there. Um, But a lot of the other days it's filled with managing daily stressors and making sure they have times that they're at a low enough stress for the day, but not taking all stressors completely off the table. And it's 
you know, we're playing with sort of microdosing, which is a term I, I sort of, you know, high days staying pretty high, low days staying pretty low, but probably getting work in pretty much every day. Um, and especially for these guys, it's tough to get them off court fully. So it's, if anything, it's make sure it doesn't turn into five hours on court when really we can get off court in an hour and a half and with a longer term goal in mind. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned this earlier. There's obviously a diet component. I mean, sure. that's without denying. There are 17 year olds. Heck, I include myself, 27 year olds who can still get away with perhaps eating what we don't need, what we maybe shouldn't be eating, but the body ends up feeling okay. For sure. Do you, I mean, I'm sure you don't expect people to give up everything, but what are uh, the what are the the biggest diet misclaimers that you would put out there? Misclaimers or people don't I'm, know about I'm, it and they should. Yeah, I'll even I'll put it this way in terms of and some of my players will laugh at that. I can think of uh, J.C. Aragoni and Max Schneider <laughs> laughing at my philosophies on food. Um, but I'll just I'll speak on some of the things I see, and we can even dive into like the hydration side, but. You know, the Toro offers some some tough variables when it comes to you're in a lot of different places in, in food sensitivities where different you travel to another country and you have to be a little bit of careful with food. So food is a topic where at least it has to be discussed. I think if I'm coming into a project, it for sure is discussed, uh, making sure that if anything, that they have enough options to get enough food in them. I think that's probably our biggest is guys generally under eat. Uh, at least some guys can under eat for the amount of calories that they use throughout the day if we're working as hard as we can. So, you know, if you're training and in, in, in on court and doing all the off court stuff, I think getting enough calories is one of the biggest battles I have with guys. You want that to be as clean as possible. Sure. But money's a real thing here, too. You know, on tour, it's a grind. You're you're down there on the Challenger Tour, and you might have a gas station and try to have to find a a meal that's going to fuel your performance. All the events try to put out the best spreads possible, but not everybody likes what they're putting. So it's definitely a conversation, and it's definitely uh, something that has to be addressed with everybody. Some guys have some more needs than others, um, and you're just trying to – you know, make sure they have the information they need to get enough calories they get into. It's tough to eat clean on the road. Um, and money becomes a real factor. I mean, some guys you can order. I've had conversation with players who are sitting in the top 50 per se, and their food bills are outrageous, but they're getting enough food in them and they're probably eating pretty well. And they have the resources to travel with these meals that they have. Um, where it's tougher with less money. But if anything, you're trying to get enough, you want that to be as clean as possible. You know, some things I see out there, this is personal biases, but it's, and I've had conversations with players on tour, um, not to be named, but like players on tour who maybe go the vegan route. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tough one. And that's, it's been done, but it's a tough one. And and I go back and forth. I don't know if it's a uh, misnomer or anything, but like, there's nothing bad with it, but I do find that to be something I do see on tour. And it's, it's a tough lifestyle out there just because you're traveling so much and the options are, are tough. Um, we've been lucky where, where we have some good relationships with some good nutrition companies. And 
you know, my company does this for athletes across the board, but try to give them the best network of folks around. And a lot of those companies turned into folks who are making good traveling type nutrition, whether it be bars that are tolerable and, and relatively clean, whether it be hydration situations that give you enough of what you need. Um, you know, the information is out there, but you do have to look for it. And it's, it's tough for these guys on the road. Um, it's tough for these guys on the road. And, and, and I'll even say that some of the information they do get, like, uh, these guys sometimes listen to folks or try things that others they see above them doing. And, you know, not everything that works for Novak is going to work for everybody. Um, I mean, some guys are just better at tennis than, you know, like <laughs> yeah. not everything, not everything that works for a Michael Jordan is going to work for another basketball player. So finding your own individualized information for the things you need is huge. And even on that uh, nutrition side, we take blood work a lot. I mean, I'm able to call for blood work, but in our, a lot of our onboarding process, a lot of the folks that have been on the roster, if nutrition is a thing, um, we take blood work and see what's up and then really try to get specific with them. Um, but beyond that, I'm not a nutrition expert. I have folks on my team who I make sure they, these players get in touch with them and we're all part of it together. No, I love to hear that. And yeah. with all that said, my last two questions for you, you're in Atlanta, Global yeah. Performance Group, working with a bunch of different athletes sure. across sports. Talk to me about the goals and what you guys hope to accomplish in the near future. Yeah, you know, it's really rooted in the company, the Global Performance Group, uh, really started in tennis. You know, I had these players who were asking for my services, and it was really just me rolling around and, and traveling uh, to these different events. So it started with me just trying to put together a network for built around the concept that you see in terms of players, support staff and tennis. Um, for me, I was physio performance coach just because I started on the challenger tour with guys and they needed maybe a, uh, to pay one price for two roles, which I was glad to take at the time. Um, but that concept, we just sort of, scale towards all other sports this summer I, I did a little more work in like mba and being able to offer this to guys and really it's the same concept of you know hopefully they vibe with with the skill set that i put out there and such but it's trying to surround them with the support staff really based off of concepts i see in tennis where if it's sports psych if it's nutrition if it's me if it's other performance coaches that i have on staff so i can just be a doc uh it's trying to give NFL, NBA, MLB, aspiring young athletes, the same thing you see on the highest level of support staffs that we see in tennis. It's really all built off of that. So they, yeah, the global performance group on that side is we deal with pro athletes. We do some concierge work. We're traveling a bit, but trying to offer that same network that is really built off of what I was trying to do in tennis um, here in Atlanta. So, you know, have a local clinic side where we're just trying to help local tennis players, local pickleball players. Um, did a little pro pickleball work this weekend. Fascinating stuff. But, uh, you know, other than that, it is just it's a clinic here in Atlanta that we're doing some work and also being able to offer sort of a headquarters um, for the pro stuff where the past couple of years I was really just on the road and just leading it, saying yes to all the jobs and uh, especially graduating right around COVID. It was a weird time. So, uh, trying to offer that to all different sports and, and 
doing it here out of Atlanta. I will say, I mean, Atlanta trying to make Atlanta a viable hub for tennis as well. Where when I came out of school, it was, you know, Kevin King, Nate Pasha, um, Donald Young was obviously still there. There were some guys and and they were all sort of training together. It was a beautiful thing. Um, trying to get Atlanta a little bit back towards that where players are a couple of folks are here, but uh trying to get more and trying to be yeah, reliable resource in tennis, just based out of Atlanta. So yeah, no, I love yeah. to hear it. And you know, in that spirit, my final question for you: yeah. You're now a part of the tennis world. It's your favorite yeah. part of joining. What What did you expect? You know, what what surprised you most, and what have you enjoyed most? For sure. Um, what have I enjoyed? You know, I've been. I definitely was thrown into it in one. I've been able to deal with ten plus players from all different, whether it be countries and backgrounds and such, probably the folks I've met. I mean, some of the names that I've already mentioned, your, your Max Schners, your JC Aragonis, Nate, Kevin King, um, you know, Will Blumberg is still a client. Like some of these guys are some of my best friends. And while we're all professionals out there and we're trying to accomplish these, these crazy goals of all theirs and dreams, um, you know, on the human side, grinding through hotel rooms and, 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 you know, grinding through Challenger Tour and just trying to climb your way up the ladder. Those are experiences that, that'll that always be really special. Um, even as I deal with more folks where I want more experiences to look more like that versus uh, some of the other one-off jobs that you take just because you're saying yes to jobs, which are just as valuable. Um, and I have the utmost respect for, for the tennis career. And uh, whether it be from college on up, whether it be from junior on up, it's it's a weird bubble and I really enjoy it. But it's a grind of a career for these guys where, you know, money is tough. Uh, backing is tough. Just the lifestyle is tough. You get injured, you're losing years. I mean, I have the utmost respect for our rink or a TM who have like gone, who have re- you just recently seen grind through some of the challenges that tennis offers. So you know, as I deal in sports like a basketball where contracts are really, really big, it's it's interesting. But, you know, being able to get the right information to folks in tennis, and it's just really valuable money-wise. Like, you see careers are made in a few weeks here in tennis. So, and, uh, and all of those stories that I'm alluding to, you don't quite see what happens on the underneath the water of sorts. And it's those stories and those stories I've seen and been a part of that for sure are the, uh, my favorite part of tennis. And I'll always work in tennis probably for better or for worse because of that. Cause if a player, you know, who has a drive to do some things and you feel like he has some talent, uh, or at least has, is a good enough human and has a drive to do something on tour or do this for as long as they can. Like I'll always have a spot, soft spot for that person. I'll always be someone who will help them just, because of the, the respect I have and what I've seen from these guys. Yeah, well, the tennis world needs more people like you, and we really appreciate that. I've yeah. seen you on the road and the work you do with these players, and I know it is not unappreciated by them. I Thank know you. it. Yeah, and so they again, have a crack racket. I mean, yeah, I just want to get the word out on on some of the cool stuff going on, some of the some of the cool stories out here, and mm-hmm. 
And there are definitely some really cool stories on tour. Yeah. Listening to you say taking the weird jobs, I wanted to be like, my brother, let me show you some of the things we did in 2020. Yeah, no, I, I know what you guys do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, tr- I've treated in bathrooms, man. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm down for whatever. And those, again, those are some of the best stories. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, tennis is a wild world and I'll always love being a part of it. It's what makes this sport so delightful is once you realize what it is, you're like, how is this a thing? Like, but the we people saw, too, yeah. the yeah, people yeah, too, like the people like yourself, the people like Crack Racket and, and, the players. I mean, it is a, I'm not sure if I go say my roster to a number like to other people, I, I do it all the time. Like nobody, some people know, but like tennis fans know and tennis fans know everything about every person I've ever been with, whether they were ranked very highly or not. <laughs> yeah. and, and like that's some, that's some cool stuff. I almost equate it to, I almost equate it to fighting. I do a little work in fighting and it's like, it's a fighter's career in each match. Maybe I'll leave with this, but the other part I love about it, I watch baseball, I watch basketball. I do love watching basketball, but uh, like working with someone and being a part of their journey and then watching them play a tennis match is maybe the other thing that keeps you involved as it's 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 the most fun sport that I watch, um, especially when you're a part of it. Yeah, no, couldn't agree with you more. And again, really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, thank to you. Chat no, with thanks us. for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. So good luck to you. Hopefully appreciate our paths it. will cross soon at an event and appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you and Craig Racket. Keep uh, doing your thing out there. Thank you. Have a good one. Be good. Thank you. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Global Performance Group founder and ATP physiotherapist, Dr. Leland Snyder. A thank you to the doc for taking the time to chat with us. I certainly finally now have some sort of idea of the role of a physiotherapist. You always hear them get shouted out by players at the end of a successful match. Now you understand why, how significant that role is, how important recovery is for all of these athletes as they look to perform their best on court in each and every match they play. Again, we appreciate the insights. We hope to have Dr. Sider on the podcast again in the future, of course. If you're looking for what else is happening in the tennis world, Great Shot Podcast, Mini Break Podcast feeds are the place for you. You can find them wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website crackedrackets.com a shout out as always to our super producer daniel westoff for the of an editing job he does day in day out making all of our content possible a shout out as well to our friends at turna with all of that said for the fantastic daniel westoff for the fantastic dr leland snyder for our friends at turna and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone